This is Alex. And this is James. And you're listening to the American Toffee Podcast. Welcome, everybody. It is the Everton Fans Therapy Corner with Alex and James. (laughs) Alex, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much did Everton ruin your weekend with their 1-0 loss to Watford? 12 and a half. And that is that is because uh, my girlfriend and I actually went up to the uh, National Harbor over in Maryland next to DC. We were only there for Friday night, Saturday, and then this morning. And I talked her into letting us carve out two hours of our stay to sit in the room and watch Everton lose to Wolves. I mean, sorry, excuse me, to Watford. <laughs> and... It was just extremely annoying. Extremely annoying. What's annoying about it is that it, I, to be honest, didn't think that we played that poorly. A lot of it was nothing surprising at the very least, you know, the problems that we have with moving the ball and, and creating chances and specifically scoring goals still remain. But I thought Wofford weren't much better. And so for them to win on, first of all, a, you know, off a corner that shouldn't have been a corner because Jordan Pickford didn't touch it. The the set piece defending, which has been a major area of concern, was a little bit more solid. And so it's just kind of a game that was very, very, very winnable. And at halftime, I, I thought, you know, this has one nil written all over it. And unfortunately, the one nil fell against us rather than for us. It did. I mean, to be honest, like no one feels confident when we get to, you know, defending set pieces, but it looked fine. In my opinion, our defenders had a good match. I, again, that goal was just stupid, really. If you look at the position of our defenders, the ones that were there were marked up. And so at the end of the day, it was just a run to the back post from a really unfortunate string of events there. But at the end of the day, you know, you think about it and Everton just, we relied on Wayne Rooney last season, our top scorer with barely over double digit goals in the league and then no one else even near him. And so when you look at the fact that we've got Richarlison into double digits, Sigurdsson almost there. Or is he there? Is he at 10? No, he's at nine, I think. Okay. Yeah. So either way, about 20 goals between those two players. So we've actually really made an improvement on the attacking side of the ball. But did we really expect this season to be able to have, you know, four or five players that could contribute five, six, seven goals or more. Because I guess that was probably, unre- you know, unrealistic for us to hope for. Well, I think it comes, it, it circles back to like the expectations of fans. And and I think more than anything, the start that we got off to this year under Marco Silva has almost hurt him now that we're kind of struggling and on a bad, re- really, really bad run of form. Um, I think that it's, it's, People think that we have this great squad of players and that with the right manager, they can get the most out of them and we can really do great things and kick on and compete for Europe and and get in amongst those top six. And at this point, it's just clear that that's not the case. Like there is a lot of dead weight. There are a lot of players who shouldn't be playing for Everton anymore. And we just don't have the quality all over the pitch. Goals being one of the major, major things that we're missing in the side. There's other stuff as well, you know, the resilience and attitude and, and maybe, you know, the the attitude of the players can come into question 
because now it's three managers and a lot of these players have been here for all of that and we're still not seeing the results come. And so part of it does fall on Marco Silva and I saw, I think it was uh, Toffee Analysis on Twitter, a great account, give him a follow, showed the average position of our players in the game yesterday and it was like just everyone in the middle of the pitch. There was no real cohesive shape. Um, Sticking with the same formation, but playing Sigurdsson kind of in a weird position, bringing Richarlison, putting Richarlison on the right. What did you think of Marco Silva's lineup selection? So I didn't really like it, but here's the thing though. I've been saying all along, along with I think most people, that you know he's focusing on youth for the rest of the season, he said. And he also just needs to focus on trying different things. <laughs> it was very clear that, that this was uh, quote-unquote different, right? With Sigurdsson kind of up top. Now with that with that shape that we saw from to- Toffee analysis, we saw that Luca Dean was a, a, you know just sitting very high up on the left hand side, and that allowed Sigurdsson to kind of play as a second striker, like off of Jank Tosin, more central. And so it makes sense. But the only issue is the fact that we then didn't have a whole lot of pace. Richarlison is quick, but he's not that quick. Jank Tosin is not quick at all. So I think that's what really hurt us. And we saw with the wholesale changes moving forward that he brought on Walcott, Bernard you know, Calvert-Lewin, and that's cool. That's that's a ton of pace off the bench, but at the end of the day, we're still in that predicament where we don't have enough goal scorers. Uh, both both Cenk Tosin and Calvert-Lewin missed really good chances. Our wingers, Bernard, Walcott, they're not clinical. They're not, I mean, Walcott used to be, I guess, kind of a goal scorer, but he's just not there right now, at least. Bernard's never really been a goal scorer, so it's just kind of hard to see with our current crop of players how we're going to turn it around. And I arguably, James, will say that our defense is honestly really strong. I think, and and we saw that all the players across the pitch worked really hard. And so you can't really fault them for that. They actually kept the energy levels up and that was good to see. Yeah, I, I really agree with your point on our defense. Set pieces aside, we've conceded very few goals from open play this year. And uh, particularly the the combination of Michael Keane and Kurt Zuma together has really, I mean, Michael Keane, one of our most improved players, people were slating him off last year saying he's not good enough. I think he definitely is. Kurt Zuma's kind of been a revelation. Yeri Mina is still kind of an unknown quantity. And Luka Dean, probably our player of the season as we move forward. John Joe Kenny can, retaining his place in the squad, thought he showed tremendous fight. Him and Tom Davies. Uh, Tom Davies, particularly in the first half, was very, very good. And Kenny works hard. He can actually put a cross into the box, which is something that is severely lacking from Seamus Coleman's game. And just goes back to, like you were saying, the youth, give them time. Um, but then, as as you were also saying about the pace, the decision to play essentially Sigurdsson and Richarlison on either wing, neither are very pacey. Combine that with Cenk Dosen, who is downright slow creates a lot of problems and, and Richarlison was unable to even beat Holabas for Watford who to his credit I thought was actually very very good and I was actually pretty impressed with him um, in the first time when we played them and drew 2-2 at Goodison it just there's problems all over the squad and we've had the, the confirmation from Mount High that this is a long-term project and that Marco Silva has the backing and Michael Keane actually came out. I saw some comments from him today that he fully backs the manager and that the squad are behind him. And it seems like he's the type of manager from 
everyone that has played under him that gets on really well with players. And I don't know. I don't, it's, it sounds like I'm being optimistic, but it's just, it's really just becoming kind of a chore to watch Everton week in, week out, much like it was towards the tail end of last season. Oh no, it was there at, I think the beginning of last season, really. Uh, we, we got a, we got a slight mental break when Unsworth came in and kind of turned it around and then Big Sam inherited us around 10th place or so, brought us to eighth and then acted like he was the second coming of Jesus. But uh, it's that's the life of an Everton fan, unfortunately. I think in the long run, we'll be okay. But all of these things just compound. You know, we're looking at, if you look at the fixtures starting at the beginning of the Derby to now, we've only collected 11 out of a possible 42 points. And that's really, really telling. Yeah, it tells me that we suck. <laughs> that's what I. That's what. That's what it tells me. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a rough, rough times for Evertonians. You've got now shouts for just every manager under the sun to come in. We've got Eddie Howe. Rumors that Chris Hutton is on on the cards. Uh, Bielsa now is is being linked uh, aggressively with us. A lot of that, I think, is just paper speculation and frustrated fans because. It's easy to say a long-term project, we have to be patient, but then when you watch the team week in, week out, and things don't seem to be changing, and the players don't always look that interested, and the tactical plan that we saw unfolding at the beginning seems to have gone out the window. Uh, What's most concerning to me about Marco Silva's tactics is his substitution strategy, in that he seems to just want to throw on players, make, you know, he took off... He took off Andre or Sigurdsson yesterday and brought on Theo Walcott, if I'm not mistaken. But it's not like a like-for-like like sub, and so what does that do to our shape? It seems to just kind of become a free-for-all and leave the middle of the field empty. And then it's just like, okay, let's see how many attacking players we can cram on, and hopefully one of them can finish. We had a couple really good chances to equalize. Calvert-Lewin missed a glorious, glorious chance. And then Cenk Tosin had also a glorious chance. Unfortunately, he was offside. Also had Luca Dean hit the crossbar from a bizarrely taken shot off a free kick, and then Sigurdsson with the weird flick off, uh, which was like a half shot. I think he was definitely trying to shoot it, which went off the top of the crossbar as well. So we don't create that many chances. We don't finish any chances at all. And yeah, that's kind of just like a rant, but there's a lot of stuff that needs to be addressed. And I just, uh, part of it comes down to like, players he has at his disposal he doesn't have the players to make probably the subs that he would ideally like to make and where do we go from here I don't know we've got 17 days to figure it out that's very true it's a pretty long break from Everton and that's because you know we crashed out of the cups but at the end of the day it just it comes down to we got to be patient which is very hard to do as an Everton fan because we've been doing that for 20 something years now so at the end of the day, you just you got to keep giving him transfer windows. Marcel Brands, he's I think Marcel Brands might be the the bright spot to this season, really, because he is like a master of just building and and rehabbing essentially a very messed up squad, a very large and and uneven and not good enough squad. So it'll con- continue to happen. Hopefully, we can keep both loan players for next season and really see how we can start because you know it just it's just going to come down to the fact that he needs more time and if 
And if he continues to try new things like he did this weekend with Sigurdsson, you know, kind of pinched in on the left-hand side, then I'm cool with it. Because if we fail and and he finds out in real time what the shortcomings are of those of those attempts, then that means that moving forward, we're, you know, we're closer to a solution than we were if we didn't try it. I agree with you, except I do kind of disagree with the decision to play Sigurdsson on the left. And because it's, it's almost not something new because it's something Ronald Koeman was forced to try extensively last year due to Wayne Rooney needing to fit in the squad. And so Sigurdsson was shoehorned out onto the left, uh, combined with the fact that we didn't have really any true player to fit in that position. And it never worked. He's clearly improved or a much better player when playing as a number 10. But even like the last five or six games, he hasn't been great. Or even I thought he was really bad yesterday. And so... We do need to try new things. When I saw the lineup, I was hoping we'd go with like a 4-4-2 with the diamond midfield and put Richarlison and Tosin up top, see how that goes. Didn't really see how, didn't really pan out that way. And, and it would be kind of bizarre to have shift, shifted the formation so drastically in such a short period of time. But yeah, I did just kind of want to, I do slightly disagree with the Sigurdsson um, out left thing, just because I think we we have tried that and we saw what it did for Ronald Koeman. Um, but, but you do need, you, he did want to obviously not drop Tom Davies, who has been very good over the last few games. And like you said, keeping the youth involved in the team, which is important, you know, and something that I think we still are, are probably going to revisit before the season is over is, is five at the back. Obviously Jagielka and Mina have been hurt. So that's not really been a possibility, but I'm not sure if you heard Zuma got a double yellow after the match was over for confronting the referee. Yeah, I did see that kind of match ended. I shut the TV off immediately upon the final whistle. And then I go on Twitter because I'm a masochist and I like to see all the the meltdown <laughs> Everton Twitter and everyone freaking out. And it is what it is. People are right, totally entitled to their own opinions. But then I see on top of the misery I'm already experiencing that Kurt Zuma somehow managed to pick up not just a straight red, not just a yellow, but two consecutive yellow cards for apparently uh, giving the ref some lip. It's unclear exactly what it was in regard to, but I think it was probably him complaining. I saw somewhere it was him complaining about the corner that was given, and then we subsequently conceded the goal. I didn't even know you could be carded after the final whistle had blown. Like, is that even part of the laws? Like, as, as long as you're on the field, you're liable to pick up a card? I don't I don't really understand that. I was... I was as dumbfounded as you are right now. And, you know, I saw something, I saw a tweet that said essentially Kurt Zuma had more kind of heart and fight in him to go confront the referee than players that are contracted to the club. I don't know that I really agree with that statement, but I think it is clear though that we just, we lack someone like Jagielka who is on the pitch and he's just willing to walk up to tell you like, hey, you're not doing well enough or like you, you know, sliding and, you know, giving away a, a stupid free kick is just not good enough. I think we miss characters like that because, you know, who is Tom Davies to someone like Luca Dean, who's won multiple trophies across Europe to walk up and be like, hey, you did not por- perform well enough. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree that we're certainly lacking a true captain figure or even just leaders throughout the entire team. 
even Phil Jagielka has come under a lot of criti- or came under a lot of criticism in his time with the armband for not being vocal enough. So while he would be an improvement on the leadership that we have currently, I still think that we need to be aiming higher than that. It's also hard to like bring in what do you do to resolve the captain issue? You you buy a player who you think can fill that role, but then that player does that player immediately have the credibility within the squad to demand such a role? So that's another issue that we have to deal with. Um, so I don't know where we go as far as leadership, but it's clear that that is a serious, serious issue for us while on the field. Even a player who's going to go up to the ref and like have some sort of constructive dialogue with them and maybe you know talk about Richarlison getting hacked every five seconds. And those types of conversations, if you can build that rapport with referees, does benefit you and benefits the team as a whole. Absolutely. And I think, I think we have players like that. I think it's just, I think that you find it kind of hard for them to hold each other accountable. There are a lot of issues, but I think at the end of the day, as we've stated, and we not to beat a dead horse, just keep trying new things. Give Lookman more time because I still don't know why he didn't start. He didn't make the squad against City. He didn't get any minutes against Watford. Just keep doing these things. Hopefully we can sign Kurt Zuma up. Hopefully he's not he's not deterred by the dumpster fire that is the the team right now and obviously Andre Gomez as well and we can really kickstart next season I think on a on a really positive note. So that's something to look forward to. Well, with the state that Chelsea are currently in uh with their 6-0 drubbing by Manchester City today, I I don't know if he's going to be exactly in the biggest hurry to get back to them, although you could make the argument that conceding six goals maybe uh, indicates they might have a need for a new center back. Uh, David Luiz is not particularly popular amongst their fans at the moment. And so who knows what, what will come from that. A couple, one, one last thing that I did want to talk about and something that I picked up on in the Watford match and kind of just as an extension of the last several matches is Jordan Pickford's role in contributing uh, on defending set pieces. I've noticed that he seems to be really hesitant and indecisive when deciding when to come out, when to attack the ball. Sometimes he'll make a move, you know, start to come and take himself out of position and then decide, oh, I don't, I don't really want to commit to this. I'm not going to go. And he ends up standing in no man's land, uh, making it really difficult for us to properly defend. Fortunately, it didn't come back to bite us against Watford. He had a couple nice punches out, but it just it is an area of concern. Jordan Pickford's confidence overall, still one of our best players and uh, real pillar of what I think we need to be looking to build as we build this side. But he does clearly have a lot of stuff to improve upon, as does the rest of the squad. Absolutely agree. And I think I think it comes down to confidence, really, because I think they're all just so nervy on all set pieces now that it's like an unending cycle of, you know, kind of flinching, specifically, right? Like Kurt Zuma when he when he kind of made the move initially on that fake free kick from City before it was actually swung in and he you know he was then kind of rooted and I think it just comes down to the fact that they psyched themselves out. Pickford, he's still a really young keeper. And I think he's also kind of a victim. Everton fans have such high expectations of him because we saw how consistently he performed last season and then 
started number one for England in, at the World Cup and played really well there too. But at the end of the day, every single player in the world has down moments and, and you know, a relapse in, in form. So just continue to bear with him. I'm sure that he will continue to improve and, and regain some of his form as well. And at the end of the day, we just got to take these next two weeks to take a couple deep breaths, have a mental break and, and get ready for uh, Everton again. Yeah, Cardiff away after the 17-day break is going to be a massive match. As everyone knows, our next four home games are... <laughs> I'd be shocked if we were able to take any points from any of them. I think the crowd at Goodison has a large role to play in those. But yeah, the, the Cardiff away one could be a massive game. Um, potentially, I don't know what the implications are of it, but if we were to lose... We're in a tough place because we don't have that many winnable games left. And and being Everton now, we're making winnable games look unwinnable, which is pretty much par for the course of being an Evertonian, I'd say. Well, and Cardiff City being in a relegation battle for the entire season, those types of teams are the teams that you can't blink because they're just as dangerous going away at a relegation team than it is playing against a top six side. Because they're so unpredictable, and chances are they want it more than you. Right, and just wanting it more seems to be... that. I think that was really the difference in the game against Watford, was that the Watford players clearly wanted it more. They wanted to prove something, probably send a message to their former manager. It's Obviously, we don't know what the sentiment is. We know what Troy Deeney said about Marco Silva, and I'm sure his words are, are you know, are indicative of how the rest of the team might feel and they're going to be really happy to win it i know the watford fans certainly happy to win it i saw a video a just a massive chant of he's better than you he's better than you javi gracia he's better than you directed towards marco silva this is one that they're going to savor for a little bit and now above us in the table yeah i don't know i don't know where we go from here but (laughs) hopefully we can just get to get to certain safety get the kids playing and find some semblance of happiness in ever watching Everton again. Couldn't have said it better myself. Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at USA Toffee Pod to stay up to date on the latest episode releases and Everton news. And we'll see you guys next time.